Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of Permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I'm your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a completely magical guest. Their name is Jericho Mandeberg. Jericho is a non-binary, trauma-informed, best-selling spiritual author and award-winning coach, mystic, creative, queer, first-generation Australian. They are also a pro-tarot reader, podcaster, and an accomplished editor, the creator of Neo Tarot. We are definitely going to talk more about Neo Tarot, by the way. (laughs) Daily Oracle and Pleasure Oracle, which is being released right this very minute. Jericho's mission is to help people like you to liberate your joy through magic and play. It doesn't stop there though. Jericho is also the co-creator of Apartment Pants with Everybody World and these are made of 100% recycled manufacturing waste and are fully biodegradable. Ultimately, they're made of magic and speak to our humanity in a way that is incredibly caring, compassionate, and insightful, and I'm very excited to delve deeper today. Jericho, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for saying yes. I was, I was, uh, I, you know, I was holding my phone and I'm like, just send the message and ask, <laughs> just Aww. ask if she'll be on. <laughs> oh my um, God, for sure. As soon as I heard the title, I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm a Scorpio, you know. Oh, you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely Scorpio territory with secrets. <laughs> yeah. And my previous work of sexuality is very Scorpio even though it's not in my chart, when I, I can relate to Scorpio deeply, I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel that from you. <laughs> um, so I just want to share before I ask the first question on the secrets women keep, I just want to share with our audience how I came across your work. And I, I just like the story. I think it's a sweet story. I, uh, my, um, I'll backtrack, I'll backpedal a little bit. My husband, Ed, one day I was doing something in our walk-in and I found a pack of tarot cards. I found um, the, we call it the Thoth, the, the Toth, is that how I pronounce it? The, the really old school um, kind of art deco tarot cards. And I was like, what? Is this like your dirty secret? I had no idea you had tarot cards. He's like, I'm into way more things than you even know about. <laughs> And he's such a he's such a Pisces. He's obsessed with fantasy and like he's always in a dream world. And I was like, this is very cool. My husband has tarot cards. And I started getting more and more into them. And but I could feel the energy that it was someone else's deck. It wasn't my deck. And I started to learn through them and I went, right, it's time for me to get my own deck. And I went Google searching and I searched for ages because I was like, it doesn't matter the investment. I'll know my I'll know my tarot. I'll know my tarot set when I see it. And lo and behold, yours was the one that I purchased. And 
I just adore it and play with it so often all the time, pull cards and just admire it. And I just wanted to say if if anyone hasn't seen uh, Jericho's beautiful creation, Neo Tarot, it is just divine and so human and there's lots of self-care prompts and it's just um it's the medicine the world needs and I just wanted to thank you for that creation before I ask you any questions because I love it so much oh wow (laughs) thank you so much for saying that that really moves me that's oh yeah that's just everything to me I I love that um you know because you just you make things and put them out into the world and it kind of just feels like, all right, well, yeah, that's it then. Like, yeah. there it goes. And until people say those stories, it doesn't really feel real, you know, and it's yeah. just, yeah, it's it's really taken on a life of its own and um, the ways that it that people work with it and what they get out of it is, like, beyond what I imagine. So, yes, that's very humbling. Thank you. Oh, no, th- just, yeah, I just wanted to thank you. It's just, And now I'm so excited because uh, on the day of recording, Pleasure Oracle is available and it and I went on and I was like, I had this like, you know, I've, I've got Prime and I was just like, order now. So I'm getting mine tomorrow. I can't oh wait. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Can you tell us what Pleasure Oracle is about? Sure. So it's a little bit different from from um, Neo Tarot, one, because it's not tarot, um, but it's also not strictly an Oracle deck either. Um, so you could definitely use it in spreads like an Oracle card and interpret the message and the theme of each card like you normally would. But you could also totally just use it as like an idea generator in terms of, you know, thinking about like how to bring pleasure and more like self-love and empowerment or even just inspiration into your life, or you could use it as conversation prompts. Like it's much more um, cerebral. Mm -hmm. And so while if people have that intuitive approach, they can bring that to it. That's not kind of essentially what it is. It's much more like um, ideas-based and practical. So for kind of similar to Neo Tarot in that every card has its own kind of practical suggestions mm-hmm. around like just increasing pleasure, whether that's themed, you know, in like an embodied sense or it's something to do with communication or something to do with like something between you and a sexual partner. Like it's just pleasure in all its forms and relationships in all their forms. Um, but, yeah, I would say it's it's much more broader in terms of the ways it can be used in the people that, it can reach, I think, hopefully. Mm, mm, most definitely. And pleasure is, well, as we'll go on to speak about pleasure and joy and play, pleasure is genuine, deep, uh, unwavering pleasure is something that people still struggle to connect with because there are so many versions of pleasure that are available to us now that are that are certainly giving us pleasure and giving us a dopamine release and making us feel good, but they're not necessarily uh, in the ways that our body is designed to experience deep, long-lasting, satisfying, I don't want to move on, I just want to be mellow in this moment kind of pleasure. I think that mm-hmm. things have sped up a lot and we are very comfortable with 
quick fixes of pleasure and synthetic pleasure and blue light pleasure and um, fast, fast, fast. So what you're, what I'm taking from what Pleasure Oracle is destined to be and how it will reach people is it will remind people of the pleasure that we've experienced either earlier on in this lifetime or in other lifetimes that we've lost touch with. And that is so necessary. It's so needed as the antidote to all of our um, discomfort and uh, apathy and, you know, and all of our mm, disconnection. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like there's, you know, a seeking, desirous, like never enough pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the word, the word pleasure isn't even super appropriate there, is it? Because it's no. it's much more, as you say, just about that like immediate dopamine rush. Um, and then there's the generative pleasure that like comes from inside outward, and that's mm. the pleasure that's sustainable and like inherently creative, and that's true pleasure. And if it's something that you know we're experiencing that's like a sugar high or like based in some kind of never enoughness you know it's worth questioning like is that even pleasure at all yeah yeah it is oh yeah light bulb moment if if you had to come up with another term for it what would you what would you call it if it isn't Mm. pleasure that's a really great question. The first word that comes to mind is just distraction. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, because it's not about us at all. We're, we're really cut off from ourselves in those moments. Like you say, it's a, it's a real state of disconnection. Like we go into some kind of, um, you know, fantasy world, whether it's through the screen or some, somewhere else where our brain is just in that adrenaline, you know, thrill-seeking place it's almost connecting with like our lizard brain, but we're completely disembodied. Yeah. We, we're not in our power. We're not coming from a place of like us knowing who we are and what feels good. None of it actually feels good. So yeah, maybe it's distraction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely distraction. It's putting a putting off of it's a putting off, it's oh, it's a putting off of pleasure in a way. It's, yeah. a, it's gen, the genuine embodied pleasure. It's a it's a putting off of that thinking. I don't know, thinking that we're actually getting our needs met. Sometimes I think sometimes we are tricked into thinking that we're getting our needs met, but we're not, and that's what keeps us going back to it. Whereas I question with genuine, the genuine, unwavering embodied pleasure if we feel that sense of fulfillment and we're not just left with that hunger at the end. We're like, I'm satiated and you can walk around in a sort of peace and a sort of tranquility. Um, Yeah. mm. It's almost like the difference between like choosing, um, I don't know, like a a Mars bar now, like something really like sweet and yummy um, with that like now, 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 you know, approach versus like having all the like beautiful 
like watery watermelon and like juicy peaches, like a platter of fruits, Mm. you know, (laughs) but you just go for the thing that feels the most accessible because it's right there. And also like, it's being absolutely pushed on us. Like, let's not forget. So Mm. we're not entirely, you know, it's, it's not on the individual to like have this kind of self-responsibility without any kind of critical engagement with like how this stuff happens to us. Mm. Um, But at the same time, we have that choice at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 you're exactly right. Yeah, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to, the reason why I love your cards and the reason why I'm so excited about Pleasure Oracle is to have something that I can hold when the world is so um, done, it is so screen orientated, especially in the last year that has ramped up what 6,000%. Um, like you're already on the, at least 6,000%. I'm really good at math. Uh, <laughs> but to have something, to have something that you can hold and smell and you can, there's a texture to it and the, the colors are different than what you'd see on a screen, I think is it's very, appealing so I I feel like art forms like yours are so needed as an antidote to getting off the screen and still activating our senses and activating the pleasure of touching something and being engaged with it in um in a completely different way than just than purely through um visual and auditory senses alone thank you yeah I can't wait to hold them. <laughs> I think you're going to love them. The art's beautiful and I agree. Like I, I'm a very tactile person and so I think that's part of the appeal of tarot, isn't it? Like it's really, yes. it's right there with you. You can hold yeah. it, smell it, like you develop a relationship with it where you've, you're activating muscle memory and these kinds of things. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. And your reference book is just so exquisite as well. The fact that um, there's something that there's an action that you can take from every single card that you pull is just um I love that part of it and um that it's not just okay this is this is the thing this is what could be happening or you've you've really made it a more kinesthetic experience for people by uh by putting that action there and that's one of the many things that sets your um sets your deck apart yeah, is that so? So thank you, <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you for your thank you for the actions. Um, now here on the Secrets Women Keep podcast, Jericho, I like to ask guests about bathroom store moments. Now I define a bathroom store moment as one in which you're trying to hold it all together as everything feels like it's falling apart. It's like you want to be seen, but you simultaneously just want to be invisible. So have you ever had a bathroom store moment uh, that you're willing to share with uh, our audience today? And feel free to substitute it with like you've had a bathroom store moment in the car or the office stall or uh, the aeroplane. You can have one anywhere. Yeah, wow. I feel like I have a bathroom store moment every day, like to one extent or another, like that tension between wanting to be seen and wanting to be invisible is so real. I don't know if that will ever go away for me, Mm -hmm. but I do my best to just, you know, push past it. But um, I think the biggest one was probably when I was at the point of having read tarot um, for a long time, 
but I was still in full-time work and um, it really it was a very extended bathroom stall break for me because it went on for a really long time but I just wanted to take the leap into you know not working full-time for someone else and working more for myself and making you know tarot and spirituality and creativity my life's work and you know, I would just take the smallest possible steps. And at the time, like, I would really beat myself up for that because I'd be like, I'm supposed to just take the leap, you know, like, that's what they say it's all about. You just take one big leap and then it's done and you're like free, you know? Um, And so my biggest kind of crises in that was actually the pressure that I was putting on myself to do it in a way that it should be done Mm. or to just really like, you know, jump off that ledge and fly and have it be this clean, quick and easy process. So, yeah, like looking back, it's kind of amazing to me that I was so hard on myself because it makes perfect sense to go slow when you're making such a huge life transition like that. And it also makes sense that it's scary and you want to take it small steps at a time, you know. There's this like... um kind of uh, Japanese philosophy called Kaizen and it's literally just that. It's like the small, like the art of small steps. And so, yeah, like I had all these, you know, fears and doubts and like imposter syndrome and I was like, oh, if like if I, if I could do this, why am I not? But it wasn't actually that I wasn't. It was just that I was doing it in a way that like felt safe for me because, we're living in the real world and like I needed to pay rent and I can't just, you know, jump from one thing to another without a care in the world. So <laughs> so I I had to kind of um go through it first before I could like properly look back on it and be like, oh, that was something very different to what I thought it was and like really reframe it and make peace with it. But um yeah, at the time it was just like, why do you think that you're so special that you get to like give people advice, you know, mm-hmm. which I, I don't even really directly give people advice in tarot anyway. Like that's not really my style. I'm not like, oh, here are your, here are your lotto numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just that whole thing of like what gives you the right um, was very real for me. So there was the practical aspect um, and I, I just wanted to give voice to that because I feel like a lot of us beat ourselves up for things that actually, you know, some of it, makes sense that it's a problem and it's a mindset thing and other things are just kind of a practical reality. But yeah, then there was that part of me that was just like, um, this is too much, like you're going too big. Mm. It's too, you know, scary. And the only way that I got through that was just by letting it be fun and just constantly asking myself questions that like, the the brattiest most audacious like teenage version of me would would ask which would, would really look like just being like who fucking cares do you know what I mean <laughs> so I'd be like oh like what if people don't like you and I'd kind of let that version of myself respond by being like they're not gonna like you anyway who gives a shit and just being really yeah. quite um rebellious about it and yeah. that's not the most like that's not you know the highest version of myself speaking but at the time having that kind of pettiness in a way motivated me even more because I just needed to be a little bit tough with myself to like 
kind of, you know, like drunk bathroom soul style, like slap myself in the face and remind myself of like who I was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I'm not someone who cares, like on principle, you know, I know that caring about what other people think of you is a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. So just reminding yourself of like who you are with a little bit of a, a spiritual slap in the face sometimes is what it takes, I guess. Yes. Yes. I love that. And that's where bathroom store moments can be so pivotal because the breakdown can then give you and the questioning and the doubt and the imposter syndrome and the why the fuck would this work and who do you think you are and all of that uh, can can help you to clear all of that shit out so that you can rise up and give yourself the spiritual slap in the face and say, remember who you are, remember who, what you can do, like be audacious, just fucking mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> just, so yeah. I, I, I just, as, as challenging as bathroom store moments are and that, like you said, that tension between wanting to be seen and wanting to be invisible, it, I, what I'm hearing through your experience is, ultimately it gave way for you to start taking those steps into who you are now and when i see who you are now i don't know the i don't know the version of you um when you weren't doing this work but i just can't even imagine it because you are the thing that you do and it's completely congruent mm-hmm. and completely aligned so um the point i'm getting to is that bathroom store mo- moment uh, or moments got you to be Jericho now? Like what would the old you think of or that version of you in the bathroom store moments think of who you are now? Yeah, totally. I think it would just be kind of a full circle moment because really like I've always been that person, you know, and it's funny like you kind of referencing like older versions of me. I've always been the way I am now but I would just kind of like try to cover it up Mm. you know so I'd be like smiling really big like and then I'd be like oh wait like maybe like tone that down be cool Mm. be cool you know yeah 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 um so I think I would kind of just be proud of myself for coming back to myself like I've always you know just reminding myself that like I've always been this person I just had that bathroom store moment because I needed to fully like let myself kind of collapse and cry and like be as scared as I was and like really feel it and understand it because if I hadn't actually done that I wouldn't know you know the source I wouldn't have had those hard conversations with myself and I just would have bypassed over it which is what I'd done up until then which for me just looked like yeah like staying small but kind of you know feeling more or less comfortable but like definitely being in my lane and not really doing the things that I actually wanted to do so yeah it fully allowed me to um have that like cry that like real that what felt like a you know 12 month at least cry and get it all out so I could really see it for what it was and be like okay this is enough now you know what I mean like you're in your early 30s this is enough yeah yeah and thank you for clarifying about how you were always you it was really uh you living in the fear of being too much like I love your example of like smiling and like wait a minute pull it like rein it back in like bring it down a little bit because Mm -hmm. that's what I see in women is they're 
they're so scared of being too much that they default to um, being palatable and to um, and to not fully expressing themselves so that they can still fit in. But what you're saying is you are always Jericho, you're always you, just an augmented version of you to try and, I don't know, how would you put it, to try and fit in or to... I think it was to try and be cool, you know, because okay. I I knew early on that I wasn't going to fit in. And so I dealt with that by being like, okay, then fine. I'm just going to be like the coolness, um, the like the, the antithesis of all of you, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I defined myself as like, well, I've got this taste in music and I've got this style of clothes and like I'm super alternative and like that's my thing. And that was so constrictive that it didn't really have any room for my for for joy you know or for just realness um so it was a very augmented version of myself and it was kind of made not because it felt good but directly in opposition to what other people did and said and expected of themselves so I kind of was just constructing this like classic outsider image but it actually wasn't authentic like I'm still an outsider but at least (laughs) at least it's me and not someone else's yeah yeah big difference big difference between being a an outsider genuinely being an outsider and being an outsider like wearing the mask of being the outsider to Mm -hmm. make a point or as an act of rebellion or (laughs) insert any other reason here be different yes yes absolutely because that kind of um you know outsider like label that I gave myself meant that oh maybe I could fit in in like other communities or other scenes Mm. so I think there was still the same desire that was there from when I was like really little which was to fit in but I was like oh if I'm not going to fit in here in the mainstream I'll fit in on the margins Mm -hmm. but it's the same, you know, um, the same pretending, but mm-hmm. with a different mask. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So speaking of masks, six months ago, you posted on your Instagram grid, the, the words were, where is your will to be weird? Where you disclosed more about all the masks that you've worn and how exhausting they were. You went on to say, I've worn the friend mask, I've worn the daughter mask, the student mask, the dating mask, the journalist mask, the employee mask. And then you decided, you started to crawl towards yourself, into yourself, and you noticed that you were started. To, you started to be rewarded for being yourself. Like over time, the more that you moved away from those masks and became you, the more you were seen and acknowledged and rewarded. So to add to that, you were diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder in 2020 and you put to your audience to see their strangeness as a gift and that your oversharing was a form of serving. I'm just wondering what would you say to anyone that felt like you 6, 12 months ago before you started speaking or before you spoke more publicly about what it's like to personally experience ASD? Yeah. um, I think I would just say, like, 
there's no like greater weight off your shoulders than just like once and for all giving yourself permission to just be exactly who you are and you know those shoulds that we all carry around they do just get so heavy and you don't need like a diagnosis of autism or anything else to finally allow yourself to do what feels good and reject the things that don't feel good and just you know own your life and see your worth you know like in my case that that diagnosis was so so helpful in being like oh okay, yeah, I am who I am. I've always been this way Mm. and I'm not, you know, faulty in any way. My brain just works differently and that's totally okay. And that, yeah, that that just felt like a massive permission slip to be like, oh, cool, all the times in my life where I've been like, what's wrong with me? There was nothing, but I didn't necessarily have the language for who I was either. Um, But like whether you have that kind of a diagnosis experience or not it's the same you know we're asking the wrong question when we say what's wrong with me you know it's such a cop-out of like our own power Mm. what question could we be asking ourselves instead of what's wrong with me yeah I don't know I feel like you know I would be facetious and say what's right with me but I think it's more (laughs) like why are we why do we have this why anyway like just being here just existing is enough and if you have like you know an awkward moment with a person on the street or like a really difficult communication breakdown with a friend you could say why and like unpack it and like have it be this real um you know brain teaser or you could just like own your sovereignty and your worth and allow them theirs and leave it at that you know what I mean Mm. like sometimes I think we're constantly trying to get to the root of like our issues by being like oh why am I like this why am I like that and yeah like the the ASD thing has just really um it was a bit of a light bulb moment for for me where I was like oh like who cares (laughs) so maybe that's a better question (laughs) (laughs) I think it is I think you I think you found it it's a it's who cares it's that (laughs) it really is it's that shoulder shrug it's really like what is this worth and I appreciate how you were a moment ago how you were tapping into how we nitpick and overanalyze and we get in our heads about interactions and we comb over them again and we want to do them better and we ruminate and it's like it's okay just let it be like it's it's okay Mm. it's a human beautiful awkward interaction or moment where you acted human and that's okay (laughs) Like yes. You don't have to like lie awake at night, like replaying the reason. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there is no reason. It's just life is messy, you know, and so- we only have a very finite time on earth. And like, imagine if we actually went, neither of us are good at maths, but imagine if we <laughs> added up like all the time we spend doing that nitpicking instead of just being, Yeah, you know? So I just kind of, I like to think of it as, also just you know 
when we do that kind of nitpicking and trying to understand like why this, why that, it's just like our brain's way of taking us down down another rabbit hole where we're not present with what is, Mm -hmm. you know, just it would be just so much more useful to sit there and be like, oh, okay, I'm feeling, what is this feeling? I'm feeling shame because of something that's happened to me. Mm. Now that I know that, I can just lovingly understand it and then choose differently. You know, that doesn't mean that we can just like flick a switch and be like, shame be gone. (laughs) But like having all those questions and like, you know, the he said, she said in our mind thing is very different to just feeling how we feel and then knowing that that's not going to last and eventually we'll feel another way and then feeling how that feels and then feeling how that feels and so on and so forth. But in that way, that's so much more in the moment and aware and doesn't need to ask all those questions because it knows that that's only going to bring up more questions anyway. Yeah, definitely. And then we get further disconnected from our weirdness. And Mm -hmm. I'm a self-confessed weird person. (laughs) I don't think anyone who studies sexology is completely completely normal. I'll just put that out there. Um, But I'm okay with that. I'm very, I'm very weird. I'm an INFJ. I just... I'm very intense. I ruminate about, I do ruminate about weird things and movies that I've seen lots of times and certain pieces of music and things like that. But um, what I was going to, how is tying that back to what you were saying? We've called this episode, uh, we've called this episode The Secrets of Owning Your Weirdness. And I just wanted to say to anyone out there who feels like they're a weird person, well, you are a weird person. So just, don't know. Also, just think about your weird, inter- your weird, awkward interactions, how much color and interest they bring to very palatable, boring people's lives. Like you are like, you are the most interesting thing bumping into you in your awkwardness might be the most interesting thing that happens to someone in that day of their lives. So absolutely. We need us to own it and we need to be, like I've said some bloody weird things over the years, um, <laughs> we need to be okay with it because maybe for just a moment we gave someone permission to say or do or be the things that someone was really struggling with themselves. So it's like if you're yeah. weird, you belong. You belong in yourself. It's all good. <laughs> it is all good. Absolutely. You're right. It's like, for whatever reason, humans don't naturally feel the urge to tell each other, at least not in our culture, to like tell each other all the good things that they think about. They, you know, if you walk down the street and someone like smiles at you and maybe they think, oh, like, don't be so smiley like you're being weird but that really inspired you but you're not going to turn around and be like excuse me that really inspired you like you know I'm trying to make a habit of if I see someone walking down the street and they have really cute shoes I have to stop and say excuse me I think your shoes are really cute because I've just realized we all go around thinking these gorgeous thoughts about each other, but we don't share them. And so we're also simultaneously going around thinking that we're this massive weirdo who nobody likes. (laughs) And it's just like, why are we keeping all of this to ourselves? You know? So when, you know, it's almost like when you're a little kid and like maybe a parent says to you, Oh, they're just jealous. Or, Oh, they probably, you know, really admire that about you. And you think, 
get lost. But that is absolutely true, you know. And so I think be as delusional, go right up to that edge of yourself where you think, oh, that's so up myself or that's so delusional or that's so, you know, uh, self-aggrandizing or whatever. Like meet yourself there because your version of being stuck up or delusional is probably actually, you know, just a baseline of confidence. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm bathing in what you just said. Yes, for sure. Like how, and then it goes back to the over-interpretation and analysing and nitpicking what all of that is, but just just be it. Just be the thing. Just be in your weird. Go up and ask the questions. Give someone that feedback that could really change their day. And I love it. It's really what you said about uh, going up to people and saying things to them, it's like creating all these new threads in life and creating a sense of community and keeping us connected. And it also feels very appropriate with uh, the themes of the Pleasure Oracle. It's about keeping pleasure going through what we say and what we speak. And I love all of that. (laughs) Yeah, we always tend to like wait till we're in a really good mood to say something nice to someone. Yes, yes. You know, it's like we need a reason. We're like, oh, you know, I just feel so good because I've had two coffees and like had a really good morning. So now I'm going to be that person who approaches someone else. And it's like, why? Why? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) now, you know, like when someone does something like that to us, we all know that it feels so good and it literally can make your day. So, you know, no need to be frugal. No, don't be frugal with the acknowledgement and the compliments. It is one of one of my favorite definitions of libido is your ability to give and receive pleasure, enjoyment and acknowledgement. So when you acknowledge other people, you are feeding your libido and you're feeding their like you're nurturing their libido as well and it just acknowledgement is a key piece that is so necessary for our vitality and us feeling alive and feeling like we're here. So keep giving it, keep receiving it and keep the threads going. Even if you think it sounds weird, it will be, it will add colour and texture to your life and someone else's. So, (laughs) and you don't need two coffees or two cocktails or anything. Just say the thing. You don't need (laughs) to be under the influence of anything. (laughs) Yeah, love it. So good. Um, So on the note of weirdness and the theme of this episode, I'm curious, what's your current edge with your weirdness and what you need to own? Like, is there anything more for you or are you in full ownership? Oh, I feel like there's always more. It's that good old onion with like the layers (laughs) that just never end. Um, so for me right now, it's really about community, like IRL being seen in intimate ways by people that I don't necessarily know or haven't built up a relationship of trust with yet. So an example would be like going to some kind of event with like a bunch of witches and you know, within the, within 10 minutes, you're expected to sing together or to um, uh, give some kind of, you know, really 
um, personal piece of yourself up. Um, so maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's just something like singing. Like that's quite an edge in itself for me because I, mm. I love singing. I'm always singing, but I never do it in a group like that. Um, but even if it's just kind of going around and sharing, I think at this point for me, but probably to generalize for most of us, we're kind of numb to the, well, yeah, okay, I shouldn't really generalize, but I find that I'm kind of numb to sharing online because it you can just kind of pass it as like not real, if that makes sense. Like I know yeah. everyone engaging with it is real, but it's a lot easier to press that publish button when you know no one's going to come up and gaze into your eyes and respond to what you said Mm -hmm. but when you're in like an actual kind of public situation um that level of like sharing is really hard for me because yeah again Scorpio INFJ as well like all the (laughs) things you know so I love that stuff like I love going deep but um yeah I think in social groups IRL I still have that high school or primary school kind of trigger of like oh am I going to get picked on are they thinking something bad about me you know and obviously with autism like part of that is kind of social like misunderstandings or miscommunication so sometimes I just genuinely don't know how people are thinking about me and so that's all the more of a kind of reason for me to just have to completely let go of that and just be like don't worry about it you know <laughs> don't yeah. if they think one thing or another like they're gonna have to tell you because it's not on you to figure it out yeah yeah and that really yeah that really keeps the onus on them and you and things that you can't control Can you can't control that you can't you can't change yeah what people think of you or whether or not they say something to you about what they think of you. So that liberate, does that liberate you in a way? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Because it just makes me realize, you know, if I expect other people to communicate really clearly, if they have something that needs to be said, then I also have to do that. So it's liberating to feel like, okay, if people think one thing or another about me, then they're going to tell me and if not then it's not my business Mm. but also to remind myself that like nobody's my mind reader and if I have something that I need to say I have to actually say it rather than holding it in because that's just such a part of you know the masks like Mm. um if I'm kind of spending all day like really overstimulated and frustrated and not saying anything because I'm like acting super normal and chill and then my partner um, you know, puts away a dish too loudly and I snap. <laughs> it's like that's on me for not sharing what I needed earlier. Um, so I'm just really trying to celebrate, you know, that sense of liberation that that I have been gifted in terms of like people are their own people and like I all I can do is look after myself and try and model that for the people around me, like clear crystal clear communication is like where I'm at right now so yeah it's like um it's a really good feeling to just for every time that I think to myself like oh what does that mean or like oh what are they thinking and not saying just to immediately be like actually that's not like that's not my problem and that's not Mm -hmm. even something that I could 
get if I really tried to. So just Mm -hmm. let it go. So every time it comes up, I'm just like, whoosh, like out of here. I don't want to, I don't want to think about that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, I imagine that takes quite a bit of effort and energy to, first of all, notice or acknowledge that and then work through ways that you can like really clear it out of your system and move on. I mean, is that, does that take much of your energy or is that changing over time as you know more about who you are? It doesn't take as much effort as all the stressing about what people think about you and what they're maybe not saying and analyzing and being like the Sherlock Holmes of your own life Ah. in terms of other people's opinions of you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's where the energy drain is. Oh, totally. Whereas this, you know, like, like saying, oh, I don't want to think that whoosh doesn't necessarily work, but you can kind of identify what's yours and what's not yours. And so I'm putting those questions of like, what are they thinking or like what's going on with other people and how they perceive me just in the none of my business bucket. And so while they, while those questions like still come up and they probably will always come up because we're all human and that's just how we are, I am finding it easier and easier over time to just be like, that's none of my business. Like if if there's something that I feel that is so pressing that I know about the internal mechanisms of someone else's mind, then I can ask a question or I can just drop it, you know? Mm. So yeah, I find that that is um, a lot easier because it's just like a little reminder versus the self-torture of caring constantly about what other people think. God, it is. It is self, it is self-torture, getting constantly caught up and worry, spending worrying energy. Worrying is so fruitless as well. It never, I you know, often say to people and say to myself, when has worrying solved one of my problems? When has it ever mm-hmm. gotten me the resolution I was looking for? And I cannot ever come up. I personally can't come up with one example where I've worried myself into a really um, you know, a really desirable outcome. So, yeah. So what your, yeah, what the, the course of action you're taking is really clear. You're just leaving yourself with the choice to either ask or to let it go and refocus on something else. And I think no matter what, um, you know, no matter how your brain works or how your, how you perceive things, I think everyone can benefit from that that wisdom that you just shared about the choices we have, whether we ruminate and nitpick or whether we take a different course of action, which is to either ask someone and clarify or let it go. (laughs) Yeah. And nine times out of 10, like you'll find that you just let it go because when you give yourself the choice to actually ask, you realize kind of how silly it is to you know, to imagine yourself going up to a social acquaintance and saying, excuse me, do you actually think like I'm a stupid idiot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not, uh, that's not valid when yes. you kind of actually think about doing that. And so then you kind of, you, you just have to make peace with the fact that that was never valid. And there's your answer. Yes. Ah, love it. Okay. That was never valid. Great word. Valid. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm downloading that one right 
I'm going to start asking myself. Going to start asking myself that question. I hope listeners do as well. Uh, Jericho, 2021 for you is about committing to fun, laughter, chaos, pleasure, and play. I would love to know what are some of your secrets for getting into play and pleasure. Ooh, okay. Hmm. I think my biggest secret for that is like kind of reframing like what play means, you know. Um, for me, like I hope I can explain this well, but the reason that I'm that I do work that's spiritual as well as just more kind of creative is because like play is divine, you know, it's a part of our brains that is ultimately superfluous like we have neurons there that don't need to be there it has nothing to do with our survival Mm. um and yet we play you know and yet every human when they're born you know grows up where they're making little drawings in sand or they're singing and dancing all that stuff is spiritual to me Mm. and so that really helped me to kind of motivate myself to embrace that again like I did when I was a kid because I just kind of had a bit of a a realization that when we do that stuff it's not just this silly like oh yeah I'm just kind of like letting off some steam by I don't know doodling or playing the banjo or whatever it is um there's something there like it's that spirit to me in a nutshell like there's when we're being playful or creative in any way um but especially in ways that have no real purpose like no objective utility you know what I mean because you know we think about creativity we often think oh okay I'm creating something that like maybe I can sell or I'm creating something that I can you know do something with um whereas play like sitting around playing with play-doh it's a lot harder for ourselves to justify like as adults um you know yeah (laughs) like there's a hierarchy of of play Um, yeah there is yeah yeah which is so unfair because it is put that there yeah Yeah. like no no one with our best interests at heart that's that's for sure so yeah thinking of it as like okay I'm channeling something like there are things that are invisible in the world and let's just say spirit because it's a nice word that like everyone can relate to in one sense or another but like there's an emotional spiritual like core in us like an imaginative essence that exists and you know again like rationally shouldn't evolutionarily you know it's it's been really helpful but you know we can't understand why it's there, but it's there. And what makes us human is actually fucking using it, you know? Mm. And so whatever I'm doing, even if it's just like dancing around the house, I really try and see as like devotional, spiritual magic because it is, you know, (laughs) even if it's like just for me, um, we've, we've all had those moments where we really feel like we're in the zone. You know, those moments Mm. where you're like, oh, I'm experiencing bliss. Like, oh, I'm having some kind of like um, out of body, you know. But then as soon as you really 
notice that it's gone. Yeah. Um, but like that, we know that that feels good. We know that that's like what we're here to do. And when you see a kid born and then growing up, you kind of remember again. Um, mm. But again, like distraction is is really the thing that gets in the way. So we're like, oh, you know, I don't have any time to like paint, even though I'd love to, because I have to go to work every day. And it's like, yeah, you do have to go to work, but you know, if you kind of really value joy and pleasure, then like, can you carve out like even if it's ten more minutes in a day for that priority? Because you know, like maybe it's not a priority right now, but it could be or mm. it should be. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope that makes sense. But I think that for me, like the the key to like understanding play and pleasure is to kind of center it in something moreness you know in the idea of our lives as being greater than we can understand or in service of something greater um to really deprogram that feeling of like oh play is just being silly or play is just frivolous or play is just what like little kids do mm. yeah and yeah, I love yeah, I love that because it is it's it's central to our it's central to our joy and it does take us into presence and it does play is really necessary as a stepping stone to flow states as well. I mean flow Absolutely. states flow states um theoretically have a slight challenge and that's why we get into flow because there's something that we're in some ways, move working on and concentrated on, and it has our full focus and attention. But play is something that can come before, you know, before a flow state really kicks in. And it's just so it's so exquisite when you're in it, and you lose track of time, and you capture that essence of yourself, and you realize, oh, I am this. There is this person still inside. I'm not just dead. I'm not just a robot. I'm not just here to pay bills and fold laundry and um whatever whatever else that feels monotonous or mechanical or devoid of spirituality so yeah I love that and yeah the what you said about the hierarchy of play let's abandon that hierarchy and just put it all together Mm -hmm. and just make it whether it's for a higher intent of selling or yeah, being a part of your work, let's just mush it all together and have it all be play rather yeah. than this, this play is important, but this play is the word that came to mind when you were speaking was um, something that my brain would probably say is like it's a bit useless or it's not purposeful or it doesn't have mm-hmm. purpose. Like, But, mm-hmm. yeah, play itself is just is the purpose. It's not. <laughs> it is the purpose, yeah. But then also ironically when you really let that go and get into it, like, it opens up these channels, you know, in, in just the way we think, like you say, in getting into flow states and thinking more creatively, but also in realising that something's our purpose that we didn't expect was, you know. Mm, so it yeah. kind of serves that that purpose anyway, yeah, uh, which is really, really fascinating. And also just, you know, um, going back to that kind of depressive, like a world without play thing, like, it's the opposite of depression. Like there's been studies that have shown that if you deprive like animals of play, like mammals, um, that they will become so depressed they lose the will to live. You know, like it's a huge 
way to like crush a human spirit is to mm. deprive them of play. Wow. Um, and, you know, in the worst atrocities in history, you know, obviously it was concerning more than play. But if you get people to work like, you know, 12 hour or more days um, and treat them like, you know, not even individuals, um, then that's what happens. And when we look at our lives, like the ways that we're working and the ways that we're living in our attitude to ourselves, like you say, like, you know, we're not that dissimilar to robots sometimes. Um, Mm. And that's not good enough. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. It's not good enough. And it's a, that's a, that's a very, um, it's a beneficial way of saying it's not enough and it's like it's saying it's not enough in the healthiest form of it like that isn't mm-hmm. enough and that's not enough and we yeah. yeah we need to demand and desire more for ourselves than um than that kind of I don't know, than that checked out existence and that's what I love when I come across your feed is I feel reminded of that with the colors that you use and the way that yeah, the words that you use and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Whew, alive, not and feeling rather than doing and being in that um, kind of comatose state. So um, something else, the last big question I wanted to ask you, Jericho, before I uh, ask you some quick shoot questions, which are always a bit of fun, is you know and you live a lot through magic and intuition I would love to know what's your take on why someone in today's world would hide their intuitive magical gifts and wear a mask of palatability or plainness instead of sharing and revealing themselves and their weirdness. Why would someone, why would someone do that today with all of the liberation Mm -hmm. that we have at hand and the permission granting? Yeah, that's so interesting because you're right. Like there's, people talking about this stuff all over the place there's permission but um if it's just kind of through a screen and not touching people's lives with their most you know important relationships then those those are just two very different things and we all know that like when we see other people talking about that stuff we're kind of usually i dare say we're like laying back and passively consuming that from like a voyeur's perspective like more like we're watching that content on tv rather than that it's speaking to us directly Mm. and that's a shame and there's a lot of moments that don't feel like that but that's kind of how that those products are designed Mm -hmm. and so we can kind of understand it intellectually and go yeah you know and like support that message but it doesn't really feel like it's speaking to us we always feel like we're the exception you know we're the, we're the ones that, like, I saw this TikTok once speaking of stuff like that. And the person was like, um, love yourself. And someone said, you too. And they were like, what? Me? No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, we'll say these, these messages of, like, self-love and acceptance and permission to someone else. And we believe in them in general. But for some reason, we, we can't accept them for ourselves. And so I just think that that's... Yeah. It's it's a very, very sad thing. But at least in like my personal experience, it's just because of some deep, deep childhood stuff. It's what we saw modeled by our caregivers. Mm. 
it doesn't matter like what people even necessarily say to you when you're a small impressionable child it's just how they live what they do what they value and like where their priorities are that we learn from Mm. so if you have you know parents or guardians or peers at school oh my god don't even start me about that but like you know if you have people around you that you can see don't trust themselves that that's not their worldview that's not what life is about that's actually not only is it like not on their radar but it's not appropriate it's not worthwhile it's not normal (laughs) and then you have like you know zooming out to the whole of society where like we just see so I mean we're just bombarded with like thousands and thousands of messages about fitting in and being liked and knowing our place and making sure that we don't do anything wrong that would like disrupt the you know the social cohesion or have us like kicked out um because that's also all that stuff is feeding into what's naturally in our in our minds you know our minds are like survival tools they're trying to constantly search for danger in social settings more than anywhere so that we don't get kicked out of the group, you know? And so there are so many like systems and forces at work that are preying on that part of our mind so that we, you know, learn to buy our way out of like feelings of not belonging or to, you know, work our way out of feeling invalid um and this is all coming from like this rational materialist patriarchal like world so Mm. intuition is everything that that's not it doesn't feel powerful in the way that we're taught that power is it's highly feminine and feminized so it's not seen as valid on any level you know Mm -hmm. um it has no purpose very similar to play um if you can't you know do something with it make money out of it or oppress you know another human being with it then like how what what's the purpose where does it fit it just doesn't it doesn't fit into that that system and so if it's outside of that system then crush it you know and so that's what's happened the last few centuries have just been about like crushing the wisdom and knowledge of of people you know predominantly women who have some kind of knowledge or way to empower themselves that doesn't fit in mm-hmm. and um and as much as we can say oh yes you know things like um new age stuff and and, and witchy stuff are really hyper commercialized these days they're still not seen as valid like you can't like like go to your hometown and like talk about intuition or or self-care even Mm. and like people are going to give you those weird looks like you will be the weirdo Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we can get a bit in our bubbles with um the role that like this stuff has in the world and and what people are even aware about it and so yeah again I just think that it's still work. We're only at the very beginning of like reclaiming that stuff as valuable. And we have like a long way to go before we can all really not just kind of, you know, embrace it, but embrace it in that way where we're not constantly struggling to embrace it. We just do, you know, because I think even among the most intuitive people, people that um, read tarot or a psychic or coaches or do any kind of spiritual work, 
um, there's still that imposter. There's still that, you know, part of themselves that's the voice of their parents or their peers or society telling them, like, what what are you even doing? Um, and if someone doesn't have that struggle, then, you know, good on you. Please get in touch and tell me what your secret is. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and we mean that very literally. Please yes. <laughs> and tell us what your secret is. Yeah, I found um, just sharing your like just sharing Neo Tarot last year. I had an email from someone who said, "Lauren, I really feel I could benefit from your work, but I'm very concerned oh. <laughs> about <laughs> oh, very concerned about your use of um, cards and and." and spirituality or something to that effect and I just replied really cordially and just said oh and I just I just I just acknowledged it and said oh um thank you for acknowledging my acknowledging my work yet these are a part of my toolkit um and I just left it I left it really really clear but I thought oh this this still does freak some I, I don't it's just funny because I'm exposed to such um to people who are in full you know who are, are in permission granting mode and in their liberation mm-hmm. doing their work um with magic and and spirituality and intuition and it was interesting to get that to actually be on the receiving end of someone who um wasn't in that I don't know, maybe hadn't had that, I can't assume, that's an assumption, but maybe hadn't had that contact or thought it was occult or thought it was, I don't know what what else you might have thought, but it was um, an interesting one for me because I was like, oh, this isn't, um, I could see, I got a real look in to how it, what it would be like to have to hide those gifts if that is your life work and that's, um, that's why I was wondering if there was any, that's why I asked you that question was, I got that look in and I was like, oh, I can see how you would hide even in today's world, even with today's permission granters out there doing Mm -hmm. this work and thriving off of it and being in full alignment with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one thing to like have, you know, like a really nice big section at the bookstore (laughs) in like the city and very much another thing to be like out in the world going around saying you're a witch. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And I think, yeah, and that's what um, I think that's what's, I'll own it. I think that's what someone like me would miss was growing up in, I've only been in um, big cities after, you know, after 11 years old and always had access and been to shops that centre around new age and <laughs> and but yeah and so yeah it's um yeah it's not necessarily yeah it's not everywhere it was a good it was a really good reminder for me to go oh okay this isn't um everyone else's not everyone has everyone has been exposed in the same way Jericho, I would love to ask you some quick shoot questions and um, I would encourage you to just answer as quick as possible with a word or two, just what the first thing that comes to your heart, to your soul, to mind when I ask these questions about yourself. Are you ready for a couple of quick questions? Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. 
Okay. <laughs> and there are no wrong answers. <laughs> right. um, I would love to know, what's your favourite sensation? Ooh, um, the first thing I thought of was um, like not having shoes on and like rubbing your feet on the carpet. We have this like kind of thick rug in the lounge room. So I sit on the couch and like watch something on the laptop and just like rub my feet around and create friction <laughs> on the rug. That feels great. I love it. it. (laughs) What's your favourite secret place? Uh, So there's this place. um, I grew up in this town and there's a couple of beaches. So there's South Beach. And if you go right down the end, it turns into like a point. And the point is like really beautiful and sacred actually. There's some middens there. Um, It's Wadi Wadi Land. And there's also like a reef off the point. And so people go snorkeling and um, there's an old, I don't know if it's still in use actually, but it's like a coal, um, like a a coal carrier. Like it transports Mm. coal from a ship to like the land because there's like quarries and stuff around. And I used to go and I would like, Run, I would like quote unquote run away from home and I'd go and like (laughs) sit um, down the end of the beach. That's not one word. Sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. No, no, no. I was just, I was actually transported. <laughs> I was, <laughs> that's fine. That definitely needed more than one word because yeah. I was just transported to, um, to that favorite secret place. What's yeah, one South Beach? You'd be like, okay. Oh, <laughs> God, God, sensations. Um, what's one secret talent you possess? Singing. Ah, okay. <laughs> I won't ask you to sing. Maybe another episode. <laughs> Thanks, so. mind, but, um, what's your secret pleasure? Um, I don't know if any are really secret. I'm trying to think. I'll oh, probably just picking my nose in the shower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's pretty secret. It, and it's a secret that so many of us share, isn't it? It's a, Oh, it's, it feels good. Yeah. That's the point, right? <laughs> to <laughs> extract and feel good. Yeah. Um, who's one woman or person who's really seen you? I think my partner, Ari, has definitely seen me um, in a way that, like, I haven't let anyone romantically before, like not even close. Um, so that feels really, really good. Yeah. Very, very, um, we've been together about three years, but still every day, very amazed at how much they can just like meet my gaze and really see me and they're still here. (laughs) I love that. And Ari is, I'll never forget meeting them years and years and years, 10 years ago and just they stood like magnetism was off the charts. Like just <laughs> magnetism off the charts. So yes, Very I, special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and last one, Jericho, one-on-one conversation or mingling through a bustling soiree. Oh, one-on-one. Okay. The latter <laughs> is not my jam. <laughs> Uh, I might have been able to guess that. One. <laughs> I might have been able yeah. to guess that one for you. Um, so, Jericho, I'd love to know where can we find you online and or uh, and or in person. Where where can we follow you and learn more about your work? So, my Instagram is Jericho.mandiba. 
And my website is jericomandiver.com. Brilliant. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And Jericho, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. And abs- like, this is pleasure. <laughs> it, was is pleasure, pleasure. <laughs> it was thank such you. a pleasure. It was such a pleasure to speak to you and uh, to really hear more about your experiences and how you see the world. And I have no doubt that there's just so many relatable moments in what you shared today. So I can't wait for listeners to hear this one. And thank you for being you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being a weirdo with me. Yes. <laughs> we need to meet in person and weird out. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awkward AF. <laughs> Um, if you liked this episode, then please, please share it with me on Instagram by tagging me and make sure that other women and people can feel seen and heard and understood with everything that we spoke about today. And if you never want to miss an episode, then make sure you hit subscribe now.